Neil deGrasse Tyson once said, we've reduced the reason for it to exterminate us all. Keep this in mind as we discuss today the decision to not give police the ability to use remote-controlled killer robots by the San Francisco Board of Supervisors and the deeply complex issues that that really brings up. My name is Elizabeth Ann Stewart. And my name is Dr. Ross Stewart. And you're watching Geopolitics in Conflict. 64% of Americans were living paycheck to paycheck is on the rise. City supervisors there gave law enforcement their approval to use robots. That's right, robots capable of using deadly force in emergencies. You know, this would be the first time that the city and county of San Francisco is saying to the police department, you can use robots to kill people. We weigh out, do we want to risk lives in the public by getting ourselves exposed to the suspect or can we send a robot in to deal with it the world is a random meaningless chaos or is it how do some of the best wealthiest and most powerful people seem to know what's coming before it happens well one way is that they create the circumstances in their favor but the other is that they know how to read the world's stage and spot patterns and trends in key areas. They don't get lost in the overwhelm of endless information. They know what's important to pay attention to using their own formulas. And most importantly, they know where to put that information to actually make it usable. Would you like to be able to do the same thing? Well, we have a course that teaches you to do that exact same thing. It's called No Nonsense Politics. So if you want the leg up that some of the world's brightest have, as well as an online community of people who think for themselves just like you, check it out. Link in the description box below. Today we're going to address a remarkably complex situation. Yes. As if there was a simple answer. There isn't, and I think that's what we want to, to hone in on. This is the reality about what's happening in the United States. So typically, people go at it from one side or another. So the killer robot idea is a horrible idea with absolutely no merits, or the robots with the ability to kill are a really great idea, and it saves police lives, and it protects them. So what we're looking at is what are the trends and patterns yes. that have led to this situation and how is this predictable? Because it has, it was Absolutely. predictable in terms of some actions that the Board of Supervisors took earlier about defunding the police, right. reducing the police force. Right. So let's dive into the to what happened. So the San Francisco, um, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, uh, I think it was a, by the time you guys watch this, it'll be a couple of weeks ago, decided that they had, they, they gave the police ability to use robots under certain circumstances, but these robots would have been very much authorized to use lethal force or be able to kill the people that, you know, that they were going after. And it was the very top command in the police force that would have to sanction the use yes. of these robots. Right. So there's obviously some very clear ethical issues with having a robot that is allowed or able to kill a human being. There's some very severe issues with that. Uh, and, you know, we've all seen all the sci-fi movies where the robots and the AIs take over and it's kind of the end of humanity as we know it. Terminator is the perfect example. 
perfect example. And we, we, I grew up with these. I'm sure you grew up with these. So I don't think any of us really have to be, you know, schooled on what the real issues are with having robots and specifically AI getting as good as it's getting um, to be utilized more. And especially with the ability to, to end human life. That's the far end of this thing. Right. The end that we're looking at right now is what are the police facing that they would use one of these machines that is not conscious and aware. Right. It is a So tool. how did we get here? Yes. Because ultimately, that's what we want to give you guys. It's not just that this is happening, but you're absolutely right. If you looked back even months or years ago, it is predictable that this, something like this would happen. How many weekends do we miss that there isn't some mass shooting someplace? And... and it's more than that because we're watching homelessness increase across the United States. Terribly. Which, by the way, our you know our our federal government Biden, I uh, he just did an interview where he said there are more important issues than the border, but the states that are along the border don't agree with that. Um, but that that very much is a problem. Whether you are for immigration or not, there is sort of an objective truth that not everyone coming in is a good person. So it turns out, it turns out that the estimates are tens of thousands of criminals are coming into the United States through the southern border. Right. And a lot of people are paying attention, especially those of us that live in the border states. Yes. Uh, so Florida is a big one. Um, Texas is a big one for that. Arizona, New Arizona, Mexico, New Mexico. Yeah. So the border states um, are really facing that. So let's look at what happened with the defund the police movement, because that's complex, too. It's not as simple as one side good, one side bad. There is a trend in history that is called, uh, Ray Dalio actually talks about this very, very beautifully. He explains it very beautifully. And he talks about the cycles of history. So especially the rise and fall of empires, because a lot of us think, or we're taught to think that history is linear. And so every single thing, this is the first time this has happened and it's linear and It's it's, it's, it's cyclical. It's cyclical like the seasons. So what Ray Dalio talks about is that there's actually a rise and fall and all empires follow it, including the empire that we're currently in right now, which is the American empire, the American empire and the Brits. It happened to the Brits before us. It happened to the Dutch before them. It's happened throughout the last 500 years of written history. And it's happened in just this way. And the pattern is shockingly similar. And you can just watch Mm -hmm. it. And one of those things is the decline of society. So a huge wealth gap is so they're the 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 rise and the falls. Right. But so we're towards the end of what of that cycle here in the United States. And the end is very much demarked by huge, huge, massive debt, which what do we have right now? Well, 31 trillion plus unfunded liabilities. Don't forget unfunded liabilities. The the real estimate is there's $100 trillion out there in debt. Yes. That cannot be paid. Yeah. There's no way to get from here to there without the collapse of the economy, which means Mm -hmm. the collapse of the world economy. Right. And uh, BlackRock actually just, BlackRock of all places, actually just came out with a report um, basically saying that we're screwed, more or less. So if you guys want to check that out, 
There's also um, even BlackRock is talking about it. So financially, there's, there's a lot of conversation about it. It's yeah. not like it's a mystery. It's not a mystery at this the, point. The mystery is how come no one's doing? How come the government's not doing anything about it except expanding right. the amount of debt? One of the other issues, though, is a huge wealth gap. So what part of what creates massive poverty is a massive gap in wealth. We have the ultra wealthy, very top few. We have the 1% and the 1% is getting a lot of attention right now, right? And then we have a very large, desperate, <clears throat> impoverished population. Let me put some numbers to that. Mm -hmm. The population in the United States is approximately 340 million. Last year, which mm -hmm. is now almost a year ago, yeah. The federal government said, how many people live in desperate poverty? 45 million. That's massive. How many people live paycheck to paycheck and are on the very verge of slipping into poverty? Another 45 million. Mm -hmm. So now we have 90 million people. It's probably 100 now with what's going on in the yeah. economy and how inflation has eaten everything up. Mm -hmm. And so we have not 30%, but almost 30% of the American population is now living at best paycheck to paycheck. Right. And as you've heard me say, on a drive, driving to the studio twice now, I saw a half a mile long line of cars mm -hmm. lined up for free food. Yeah. Now, granted, these people are probably surprised that they couldn't they couldn't afford food anymore. Right. But they had vehicles because in in America you can't do anything right. without a vehicle. Right. They have vehicles, but they don't have enough to eat. Well, and the price of everything is is expanding, and so l desperation causes behavior that would not regularly occur. True. So there was a, there was a study done of uh, crime areas where one of those check cashing places, you know, the payday loans places were put in and crime decreased in the areas where those were put in. Not, they didn't decrease all the way, but they decreased some in the areas that they were put in because if people had an option, they would not opt for crime. However, when you are desperate, that is when people make the worst decisions make desperate possible. Decisions. And so you look at, you know, this very growing population of, of people who are very desperate and there is no real help. There is no real solution being put forth by anybody. There really. are solutions, but there's no national resolve to take care of these issues. Yes. Education, homelessness. Uh, uh, hospitals and on and on mm -hmm. all these issues and I've bumped into great solutions yeah no action no action no national resolve and that is very typical because at the beginning of a cycle at the beginning of the cycle we were talking about there typically is national resolve to make things better and when a nation really comes together and says we are going to solve these problems we are going to make them better they do but you're right, there is no national resolve to really solve these problems. So, so it takes us to San Francisco now. San Francisco. San Francisco is known for its massive homeless population. Last week they made it legal to sleep on the street. Where else were they going to go? Do you know the numbers on that? I think it's 100,000. It's some outrageously high number. Yeah. When I read the number, it just it jarred me and said, this can't be real. But of course it's real. Well, I, I used to live in Los Angeles. This is a personal story, but I used to live in Los Angeles. And um, the homelessness issue in Los Angeles is substantial as well. And it's so substantial. Like, you, you can't imagine it being the United States. It's so substantial. And 
it's good people. There is a mental health component, absolutely. There's, there's some real struggles. But I had a very close friend of mine um, who was homeless for two years. And watching the suffering that those people go through is, is horrific. And the situations that they are put in are even more horrific. Because when you have no protection, um, bad, stuff, bad happens. stuff happens. So now we have this situation mm-hmm. where we have massive homelessness. We have an ever-growing criminal population from mm-hmm. around the world coming to the United States. And the police are facing war-like weapons from the criminals. Absolutely. There's not enough police. There's not facing, enough police, yeah. And they're yeah. facing these horrific weapons. So you're facing, you're facing a 50 caliber gun. Mm-hmm. 50 caliber will blow a hole in you this big. Yeah. You're not going to survive it. Yeah. They say, well, if it hits your arm, it'll rip your arm off. Yeah. Hits your leg, it'll rip your leg. I mean, you're going to bleed out. Mm-hmm. Or if it hits you in any part of your other rest. Okay, you get the idea. Right. That's what the police are facing. Well, they're also facing the backlash that came from defund the police. And I'm not saying that there weren't reasons for that to happen because the the gap between um, the police and and the population has been growing for a long time. So there are legitimate reasons that that happened. But the police that I was very close to or that I am very close to uh, feel very attacked personally and unsupported, even if they are very good people, even if they are legitimately doing their best, having the society that you're meant to protect turn against you. And like I said, there were very legitimate reasons for that to happen. But it's like blanket statementing all people for the actions of a handful. And so police recruitment was down, is substantially down. The quality of officers who come in is mm-hmm. less. It's unfortunate, yeah. but that's just the way it is. The military is, exper- is experiencing the same thing. And yeah, yeah, the military is taking people they would never consider before. Yes, and that is not a recipe for something very good. And so that's also happening with the police. So the police are in a very challenging situation because you're right, there, uh, there are very real threats to their lives. There are very real dangers. And if you have a police officer in your life, ask them what their day is like. Because I cannot imagine how they're still standing much less how they go and do what they do every day. So there's some realities that the rest of us don't have to face because there are people who are willing to face them and who are, who are good people. I'm not saying every police officer is a good person, but I'm saying that very many of them are. Doing the job changes you. Mm-hmm. Something I don't think you know is I was attached to the Dallas Police Department for a while in the Garland Police Department. Oh, I didn't know that. And so I got to work with a number of officers. Mm-hmm. The challenges they face, you just can hardly imagine that people can yeah. survive in those things. And they're now in a closed culture because everyone's, they're different from everybody else and everyone knows it. Yeah. And so they're isolated and they're facing terrible situations. Yeah. Let me give you an example of one that was recent. There was a sniper here who shot and killed five police officers. In Dallas, that's right. It was Wounded horrific. Alone. Yeah, okay. it was a couple you years ago. You somebody with a weapons-grade AK-47. They now have a permanent injury. Absolutely. So now there are 16 casualties. Five of them are dead. Right. And so the police were looking at what to do with this without losing more police officers. They sent in the robots. Mm-hmm. The robots 
destroyed this person and decimated the body. I mean, it just blew yeah. apart. But it took care of the situation without any further loss of life. Going, is that a good thing? Or should we have risked more cops? The other side of that is, when the military gives police stations and sheriffs and uh, the rest of it, the police force, weapons, weapons of war, mm-hmm. they tend to overuse them. Yes, and so that that is the argument on the other side. So in the case of the Department of Defense had a program called uh, 1033, and Obama in 2015 actually rolled that back, which which was that uh, that the military was actually giving police military war weapons, weapons, yeah, yeah, military weapons. But what ended up happening is those those weapons that were supposed to be used for special situations only, they were not being used that way. Over time, they got used more and more frequently for less and less serious situations. And, you know, if you look at it from a police perspective, would you rather have the best equipment going into a really dangerous situation or would you rather have inferior stuff? So I understand why that's the case. However, that was also an abuse of what they were given for. The choice is more complicated. Mm-hmm. Your life is at risk. You want the best weapon you can against an adversary that's tough. Absolutely. Well-armed. Absolutely. And maybe well-trained. I mean, and maybe, right, know. you don't know. So, uh, however, you know, we've seen over the last, um, over the last few years, and especially as the, the mistrust of government increases, that, um, you know, the police force having these weapons, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Is it something that they'll use against the people? Or is it something that they'll use to protect the people? Or is it both? And, and you know the United States is big. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a surprise, right? Yes. Never, never, knew, never knew that big, before. Big place. And so there's all kinds of situations. Mm-hmm. And one of the fears is that the police will become the new enforcers right. for the federal government right. or for whatever government it is and rob the people of their personal power, their Absolutely. rights, and so on. My experience of the, the many years I've been alive is that people tend to abuse power when they're in a power position. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my experience also. We we can't stop ourselves. We're going to Yeah. So there's this balance of it raises the question, okay, now what should the, the the San Francisco Board of Supervisors do here? Right. Risk the lives of police officers. Mhm. Knowing because they know all of this. This is They know. Yes. This isn't like oh god, no one ever informed us right. about how complicated this is. Right. And they're also facing special interest groups who say, we don't want you to use anything against us, let mm-hmm. us do crime. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But the diversity out there of opinions that are being thrown at them, and the Board of Supervisors has to make these tough decisions. Right. Letting, letting you know, just how complicated every darn one of these issues is. Right. And it's typically some, some sort of solution that's like a topical solution instead of going underneath and really solving what some of these real problems are. Yeah, homelessness. Right. Uh, on and on and on. Well, Lack and the, the the degrading of school systems and kids not really understanding why they're in school at all, especially after the last two years, you know, not really having a future tense, understanding that there is actually a future and there is consequences to your actions. So there's a lot of really severe underlying problems. And maybe that's a great place to wrap this up for today. Any Any final parting thoughts on this? About 20 years ago, 
the editors of all the major newspapers came together for the editorial pages. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to do a deep dive into what the issues really are. Yeah. Oh, what man. they found is that they, they, as a group, they could no longer take the extreme end of either one of the issues. Mm -hmm. They said, my God, it's complicated. Yeah. There, is, there are solutions, and the solutions are all tough. They found that when they went back to their home pages mm -hmm. and wrote that wrote it like that, no one would read it. Yeah. Well, and you know, I'm interested to see what you guys think of this in the comments because, you know, it is very easy to read a headline and take an extreme position. But the reality is that the things that you're facing and if you really want to be informed, it's usually somewhere in the middle and it's usually some solution that is not easy and is not a, a one headline readable solution. Exactly. Things are complicated. What a surprise. Anyway, we will see you guys in the next video. And as always, prepare yourself for the changing world order. Till next time. Bye-bye.